Welcome to the Awaken Life Church podcast. For more information about our church, please visit awakenlifechurch.net. We hope you enjoy this message by Daniel Willett. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Wow, those declarations are powerful. Thank you, Jesus. All right, good morning, good morning. It's so good to be here. All right. Are you ready to laugh a little bit? Ha, ha, ha. Ho, ho, ho. And we need a couple he, he, he's. <laughs> All right. This is, this is just, this first one's just a good PSA for the men. It is said that laughing at your own mistakes lengthens your life. But laughing at your wife's mistakes shortens it. That's just, I'm just trying to help the guys here. Okay, my, my teacher said not to worry about correct spelling because we have autocorrect. And for that, I am infernally grapefruit. <laughs> just going to take a drink on that one. Okay, I like this one. With the rise of self-driving vehicles, it's only a matter of time until there's a country song where the guy's truck leaves him. That's going to happen. It's probably going to be a Tesla that he leaves him. <clears throat> okay, I have one more. A kindergarten teacher was observing her class while they were drawing. She would occasionally walk around and see each child's work. When she got to the uh, one little girl who was working diligently, she asked her what she was drawing, to which the little girl replied, I'm drawing God. The teacher paused and said, but sweetie, no one knows what God looks like. She said, they will in a moment. <laughs> I like that one. That's like Rannon would say that. Oh, they're going to know in a moment. All right, Jesus, we just thank you so much. Father, we thank you for just your presence. Jesus, we thank you for your blood that was shed for us. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for your leading. We thank you, God, that you are for us, that you are radically for each person here, that you want to take us into deeper and deeper levels of your glory, of your goodness. And so, God, we just receive everything you have for us today. Just put your hand on your heart. Let's just say, Holy Spirit, my heart is open to you. Speak to me this morning. Amen. Amen, amen. Um, yeah, Growth Track starts on September 11th. I just wanted to reiterate that. Um, it's just a great way to um, learn the vision and the heart of our church. And also, I just believe it's a great foundation to stand on as a believer. So that's September 11th. If you haven't went through that, get in Growth Track. It's going to be powerful. All right, John 14, verse 27. We're going to start there. And I'll, I'll do a, who does this? I'll do a Robert Morris. He always gives two passages right up front. If you want to put your finger in Proverbs 4, we're going to go there in a minute. John 14, verse 27. And then we're going to go to Proverbs 4. John chapter 14, verse 27. And this is Jesus speaking. He's talking to his disciples. How many know that you're a disciple of Jesus? How, how many disciples of Jesus here? Amen. So when Jesus is speaking to his disciples, when you're reading that, you can receive that for yourself. He's speaking to you directly. So Jesus is talking to his disciples. He says this, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give. Then he says, do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Now this can almost seem like a contradiction. He just said, I'm giving you my peace. This is God speaking. He's like, I'm, I'm giving you peace. And then right after he says, I'm giving you peace, I'm leaving you with my peace, he says, do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. What would be the opposite of peace? Troubled heart. 
fearful heart. So this almost seems like, what, I thought you're giving us peace, Jesus. What, what do you mean, do not let your heart be troubled? So this speaks to us that Jesus, how many know Jesus did his part? He said, it is finished. <clears throat> He's released his peace upon you. How many know your spirit's full of peace right now? Your spirit's like completely full of peace. But you may have things going on in your soul where it's causing you from experiencing the full peace that Jesus has released in your life. So he says, my peace I've given to you, but do not let your heart be troubled. For some reason, this year I've been just really drawn to stories of where people had died and experienced heaven. And one, one of the commonalities that you hear is the moment that people die, they're like, I had so much peace. They're like, I'd never experienced this level of peace. Like, I just, I'm look, staring at my dead body, but I'm like, oh, this is wonderful. I feel like I'm just flooded with peace. Because that's your, because your spirit, if you're connected to Jesus, is full of peace. But you may not be experiencing the fullness of his peace if you have a troubled heart or a troubled mind or a fearful heart. Amen? So Jesus said, do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it become fearful. Do you know that we are to govern our own hearts? This is what Jesus is telling us. He's like, I've given you peace, but you need to govern your heart. Don't let it become troubled. Don't let it become fearful. We have a choice. We can govern our hearts. We have jurisdiction over our own hearts like Adam and Eve had over the garden. So this is good news. You're in charge of how much peace you have you're in charge of how much fear you're going to experience. Sometimes we think that our heart just goes where it wants and we have no control over it. Like, well, today I'm anxious and I don't, I don't have, I can't do anything about it. Well, today I'm depressed and that's just where, I guess that's just what's gonna happen today. I'm just, I'm just depressed. But we actually are the stewards of our own heart. We're the governors of our own heart. We have jurisdiction over our own heart. Jesus gave us the right to reign and rule over what gets access to our hearts. Okay, Proverbs 4. If you've went to Proverbs 4, we're gonna go there. It says, my son... Give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. So he's saying, give your ear or incline your ear, your hearing, to my sayings. Do not let them depart, verse 21. Did I give you the scripture? Proverbs 4, we start in verse 20. I don't know if I said that. 20, we start in verse 20. Sorry, Proverbs 4, verse 20. <laughs> Proverbs 4, we're starting at verse 20. My son, give attention to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. So he's talking about what we want to let in our hearing. Verse 21, do not let them depart from your sight, what we want to let in our sight. And then end of verse 21, keep them in the midst of your heart. So did you get that? Ear, sight, heart. Those are all gates. And he's telling us, he's like, let my sayings in your eye gate, in your ear gate, and put them in the midst of your heart. So this instructs us on what should be going in to the heart. It says, my words, my sayings. Sometimes we're, we know instinctually to be careful about what we let into our sight or hearing. My wife and I, years ago, we decided, hey, we're not going to watch rated R movies anymore. Because we don't want that in our sight. We don't want that in our hearing. And so I think sometimes instinctually we get that. Like, yeah, I don't want to put certain things in my mind. But are we as careful about what we let into our 
heart. Because that's another gate we have to be careful of what's getting into the heart. So are we aware of what we're letting into the heart? Are we as aware of what we're letting into our sight and hearing? Verse 22, for they are life. He's talking about his words, his sayings. They're life to those who find them and health to their body. What you let into your heart is either going to bring life and health or it's going to bring decay. He says, let my words, let my sayings in your eyes, in your ears, in your heart, and their life to your physical body. So conversely, when we're letting things in that he doesn't want in there, that he's never created us to hold into our heart, they do the opposite. And they crowd out the peace that God wants in our heart and that he freely gave us. He said, my peace I give to you. Where are we? Verse 22. Their life to those who find them in health to their body. What we let into our heart is either health or decay to our bodies. Verse 23, and this is one of the key verses for today. I'm, re- this, I'm reading from NASB, and I think it's the best translation for this particular verse. It says, watch over your heart. Watch over your heart. Did you know that you are the watchman of your heart? That's what Jesus was saying. He's like, do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. You are the watchman of your heart. And the translator in the NASB says, watch over your heart with diligence. Diligently watch over what is entering into the heart. For from it flows the springs of life. Jesus said, don't let your heart be fearful. Don't let it be troubled. Solomon says, Watch over your heart. Now, if there's two guys in the Bible I want advice from, that's probably the two. The son of God and the wisest man in the Bible. Both saying, watch over your heart. This is important. One translation says, above all else, guard your heart. Jesus says, don't let your heart be troubled. I've released my peace over you. Don't let your heart become troubled. Verse 24, put away from you a deceitful mouth and put devious speech far from you. Let your eyes look directly ahead and let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. What are you focused on? Because your focus will have a direct correlation to how much peace you're going to walk in. You're the steward of your focus. You're the steward of your heart. Verse 26, watch the path of your feet and all your ways will be established. Verse 27, do not turn right nor to the left. Turn your foot from evil. So Solomon says, watch over your heart. Jesus says, don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. In the NIV, it says, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. And guarding your heart does not mean to self-protect. This doesn't mean like, I got to protect people from hurting me. How many know that Jesus is your protector? God is your defender. He is your vindicator. This is not a scripture telling you to self-protect. That's why I think the NASB is actually a better translation. It says, watch over your heart. You're the steward of your heart. When you look at this verse and you study it out, it means you are to steward your heart like you would steward a garden. You're to watch over your heart like you would watch over a garden. So when you hear that word guard, because I know that's the translation that I always heard it in is guard your heart. Think of it as like a guardian. You are the guardian of your heart. You are standing at the garden of your heart and you are in charge of what gets in. You're the guardian of your heart. Above all else, guard your heart. Sounds pretty important. So what does it mean to watch over your heart? It means to tend your heart like a garden. How many of you have a garden or have had a garden? Just a few. Yeah, we've had a garden. And we actually just bought this lattice that we put outside of a 
our kitchen window. There's like a wall right there. And so we put this lattice there and we bought one of those crawling vine plants that, you know, will crawl up the lattice and I think it's supposed to flower eventually. And we got it about four or five weeks ago. And because I get up every morning and I go to the sink to make my coffee, I see this thing outside of the window. And because it's in my sight, I know, oh, I need to water that. And so I usually water it first thing in the morning when I'm getting ready to make my coffee, I'll go out and water it. Now, if it wasn't in my sight, it probably would be dead already. But since I have to see it every morning, I remember, oh yeah, I need, this, look at that pretty plant. I want to water this thing. I want to see those flowers come eventually. And if, if you've had a garden, you know that it, it doesn't take very long for that garden to shrivel and die if you don't give it attention. It doesn't take very long at all. One week ignored garden is like a dead garden. You have to daily take care of your garden. You have to daily water it. You have to weed it. And in Arizona, you got to protect it from the birds coming and getting your stuff. And there's so many things. Make sure it gets enough sun. Make sure it doesn't get too much sun. You have to steward your garden. So we're supposed to tend our hearts just like we would tend to a garden. Now, two things you do frequently in gardening is you water it and you weed it. One is nourishment. The other one is pulling the bad stuff out. So how do we water our hearts? What are, what are you feeding into your heart? Your heart needs the word. Your heart needs kindness. Your heart needs hope. Your heart needs good news. That's what the gospel means. The definition of the word gospel is good news. Your heart needs to hear it. Your heart needs good news. Your heart needs worship. You know, there was a few times in this past month because we've been getting monsoons that the rain has done my job for me. I didn't have to water that plant because the rain came. And that's kind of like coming to church. It's like, oh, today I'm just getting rained on and I'm experiencing his presence and, it, and it's kind of like hitting the easy button. I just show up and I'm encountering God. But daily, we need to be watering our heart. Daily, we need these things. We need good news. We need good report. We need like the things in Philippians 4. It says, focus on these things. We need worship. We need all these things to water our heart. The second thing that you frequently do with the garden is you weed it. We need to keep the weeds out of our heart. Fear, anxiety, bitterness, speculations, stress, worry, hopelessness. These are the things that we stand at the garden of our heart and we say no to. No, anxiety, you're not coming in. Or maybe it's in, maybe it's planted. And we're like, oh, I, I didn't realize Anxiety got planted in my garden. No, you have to go. You have to go. You cannot stay. So today I want to talk to you about keeping a soft heart. Keeping a soft heart. Having a soft heart. I want to give you a disclaimer. Having a soft heart does not mean having a gullible heart. It doesn't mean having a heart without boundaries. Having a soft heart is about you becoming a good steward of what's happening inside your heart and keeping the things that rob you of peace out. Jesus said, I've given you peace, but do not let your heart be troubled. So we have a role to play in that. He's given you the peace, but our role is not to let our hearts become troubled or fearful. We have a role to play. So if you feel like you have a really soft heart towards the Lord and towards people, this message for you is about keeping it soft. But if you think there might be some hardness in your heart, this message is about getting your heart soft again. Ezekiel eleven nineteen says this, I will give them an undivided heart and I will put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. So what is an undivided heart? What's Jesus given us? Shout it out. What do you say I give to you? The first verse we read. Peace. 
So an undivided heart is one that's not crowded with anxiety and fear and bitterness and speculations and things that are crowding out the peace. They're blocking the peace that Jesus said, I give you this, but do not let your heart be troubled. He wants to give you an undivided heart. Your heart was created for Jesus to dwell there and his peace and his kingdom to dwell there. Amen? Let me say it again. Your heart, it's so important to God. It was created for Jesus and his kingdom, righteousness, peace, and joy. But the cares of this world and the anxieties and fears will come in and they will start to rob us from what Jesus freely gave us. Your heart was meant for Jesus. And as the guardian of your heart, it's like saying, no, Jesus, this is your place. I'm not letting anxiety in. I'm not letting fear in. No. We have to do like, have you ever seen that movie, The Lord of the Rings, where Gandalf like slams down the staff and he's like, you shall not pass. You know, the, the writer of that was a Christian. That was a very spiritual symbol, symbol, symbol that he put in that movie, or in the book. That's what we have to do with those things. You shall not pass. No, I will not be fearful. Fear, you shall not pass. This, my heart doesn't have room for fear. My heart's for Jesus. It's only for Jesus and his peace, his glory, his goodness. That's what your heart was created for. Your heart was never designed for stress. That's why it wreaks havoc on our, even our health, stress, anxiety, fear. It does negative things to our body. Your heart wasn't designed for it. It's designed for peace. It's designed for Jesus to dwell there. When you have other things like strife, anxiety, dissension, fear, those things start to crowd out the peace that Jesus intended you to have. So the good news is if you have hardness in your heart, God can give you a heart of flesh once again. And I'll just be transparent and honest before you this morning. In the past few weeks, I've just started to notice. I was like, why, why is it seeming like it's harder to worship? Why has it been for me, uh, for me I'm talking about, why is it seeming like I've not, I'm not able to hear God's voice as much as I usually do? And I feel like the Lord was like revealing some hardness in my own heart. He's like, this care happened, this situation happened, this thing happened, and you didn't process it, you didn't weed it, and you've not been watering enough, and some hardness formed. So I'm going to talk more about that in a second. It can happen so quickly. It happens so quick that we just let those things in, those fears, the worries, the cares of this world, and it starts to harden us in little ways. And if it's undealt with, it gets worse and worse and worse. The good news is Jesus can instantly give you a heart of flesh. Just personally, I'll just tell you, I... I one of my goals in life is to keep a soft heart towards God and towards people. Okay, this is something I've learned. The second that I have bitterness against one person, it affects every other relationship in my life. It affects my marriage. It affects how I treat my kids. It affects how I see myself. It affects everything in my life. So I want to keep a soft heart towards God and towards people. If I start to have bitterness against someone, immediately I cannot see you like God sees you because I've got a blockage in my heart against someone he loves and cares about. And I'm not seeing, even if it's just one person, I'm not seeing them how God sees them. And it affects everything in my life. Above all else, guard your heart for it's the wellspring of life. It's the wellspring of life. And so when we start to get those things in that junk up our heart, that harden our heart, it starts blocking that wellspring. And I can't see how God sees. Amen? (laughs) 
the quest in this life is to keep the softest heart possible toward the Lord and toward people. We want to keep the softest heart towards the Lord. Lord, reveal. David would say, God, examine my heart. God, reveal if there's hardness against you. God, reveal if there's hardness against my brothers, my sisters. Examine my heart. Show me if there's a wicked way in me that's blocking me from experiencing your presence. When your heart is soft, it's easy to hear God's voice for yourself. It's easy to hear God's voice for others. When your heart is soft, it's easy to come into his presence. It's easy to enter in. I started to notice that I wasn't able to just jump in. I was like, I was like trying harder with, in worship. It was like, I was like, God, I'm trying hard to, to enter into your presence. And it wasn't coming as easy as it had in the past. When your heart is soft, it's easy to enter into joy. It's easy, just like a child. <laughs> My daughter, uh, she got married on Monday, and it was awesome. It was glorious. It was a celebration, and it was amazing. It was just everything came together, and so many amazing people just blessed us. And it was awesome. And we were just celebrating, and we were dancing. We were just celebrating. And my son, uh, my two sons, Evan, the one that was crawling down the aisle today, <laughs> my five-year-old son and my two-year-old son, they were like the life of the party. Like, you ever see the movies where there's like a circle formed and like the best dancers get in the middle and they're just, you know, showing their, that's never me, by the way. I'm never the best dancer. I even start trying my moves and Joy's like, no, just stop. <laughs> I was like, that's my moves. Got some moves. So they were like the life of the party. We were like circling around them because they were just free. They were just like dancing and rolling around on the floor and doing flips and they were just having the time of their life, and I looked at them, and I seriously thought, I want to be more like that. <laughs> I want to be more like that. You know, you know one of the reasons why they're able to dance and just be free like that? They really don't care what people think about them. <laughs> and I realized in that moment, I'm like, oh, I kind of care a little bit about what people think. Lord, help me. I want to be more like that. I don't want to care about what people think. One of the things that um, we had a, a leader from Bethel come through, and, and um, they reached out to us because we're in the Bethel Leadership Network and, and said, hey, would you want to have lunch? And we said, sure. We didn't know them, but we had lunch with them. And somebody that knows Bill really well, and one of the things he told me, this was a couple years ago, he goes, you know, one thing about Bill is he really doesn't care what people think about him. And I was like, wow, what a gift. What a blessing, especially for someone on his level. If he cared about what people thought, he'd be crippled. He probably wouldn't be able to do what God's called him to do. And they're like, I've known Bill for years, and he really doesn't care what people think about him. He doesn't. He doesn't respond to criticism. He just blesses people and moves on. All right, where were we? Talking about dancing. Proverbs tells us over and over, get wisdom. How many know wisdom's important? Spiritual maturity is important. But the Bible also tells us to be childlike. You know who I want to learn from? This is what I look for if I'm looking for someone that's going to speak into my life or that I want to like look at and be like, God, I want to be more like them. I'm looking for someone who's spiritually mature, who has wisdom, but also has childlike joy. If you got the first two and you don't have the childlike joy, I'm not interested. I, I want joy. <laughs> I want to walk in joy in my life. I need to see childlike joy, childlike wonder. So I love Chad Dedman. He's, he's someone I would put in that category. He's got, and, there's, and there's many people in this church I'd put in that category too. But I look at Chad and I'm like, he's got wisdom, he's got spiritual maturity, and he's got this childlike wonder. I'm like, this is someone I want to learn from. Children have an open and a soft heart, and we can learn from that. Mark 10, 15 says, Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom like a child will not enter it at all. 
This is not talking about the place of heaven. This is talking about entering into the kingdom realm on earth. Jesus said the kingdom is right in front of you. It's within your reach. He said the kingdom is at hand. This is talking about experiencing the kingdom at hand on earth right now. It says if you're not able to enter into childlike joy, childlike wonder, childlikeness, you're not going to get it. You're not going to get it. We need to remain childlike. A hard heart blocks the flow of the Holy Spirit. When your heart is hard, it's harder to hear the Lord. The Lord is always fully present, but if your heart is hard, you've set up barriers against him and against his presence because he can't partner with bitterness. He can't partner with rage. He can't partner with fear. I've had moments where I'm like, God, I really need your help in this situation, and the Lord stopped me and said, then you need to unpartner with fear because I can't partner with that. So you need to come out of your partnership with fear. Now you can enter into my nature and you can hear my voice. Amen. If we're upset with someone, if we're full of anger, we need to forgive them. Release them from judgment. Come out of anger. Now God can partner with us and show us what to do. If we're, in, if we're just in this place of we're just really angry with someone, and I'm not talking about righteous anger. I'm talking about anger, anger hatred. Like, I, ugh, I've, I've been there. And when we're in that place, we have to unpartner with that. If we're going to hear God's voice, we have to be like, oh, Lord, I am sorry. I don't want to partner with rage, anger, hatred. I need to partner with love. I need to partner with you if I'm going to hear your voice for this situation. Psalm chapter 2 says, God sits in the heavens and he laughs. What's the context? He's laughing at the plans of the enemy. He's laughing at what the enemy is saying about him. This is our position that we fight from. Joy. Laughter. Sometimes you need a laugh about what you're going through. <laughs> and you need to come into childlikeness and joy again and forgive who's offended you. Step into childlike joy and be like, okay, God, what do you want me to do? Partner with his nature and his voice comes so much easier. His nature is joy. He's laughing over what the plans, over the enemy and what the enemy is saying. So we come out of anger, now we can partner with God and he'll show us what to do. Yeah, I believe laughing can be spiritual warfare. I really do. God's laughing, literally laughing at the enemy. I believe laughing, partnering with, with holy joy, this is, is spiritual warfare. Like, oh, wow, that, that, this happened, that happened, this happened. I should be devastated right now. I think I just need to laugh at the God. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> ha, 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 ha. I'm going to partner with you, Jesus, in this situation. You're laughing at the plans of the enemy, so I'm going to start laughing. I'm going to partner with your nature. Now I'm partnered with his nature. His voice is really easy to hear. Sometimes before you ask God what to do, you might need to laugh first. Come out of fear. Come out of doubt. Now it's easier to hear his voice because you're partnered with his nature. Righteousness, peace, and joy. That's his nature. That's what we're partnered with. We fight from victory. We fight, we fight from a place of joy. So we need to have this place as Christians of humility when it comes to our heart. Like David did. David said, examine me, Lord. Psalm, it's Psalm 26.2. Put me to the test. Refine my mind and my heart.
In the NIV, it reads like this, test me, Lord, try me, examine my heart, examine my mind. That's a heart of humility. Oh, Lord, examine my heart. Show me if there's hardness against you or against my brother. Psalm 139, 23, David says, search me, O God, and know my heart. We need to humbly come to the Lord on a regular basis and say, Lord, search my heart. This is what it means to be the guardian of your heart, to steward the garden of your heart. Expose any darkness or hardness in my heart because I want to live with a soft heart, God. I want to live with a soft heart towards you. I want to live with a soft heart towards people. I don't want to have this big wall of self-protection up against people. I don't want to constantly be suspicious of people. I don't want to constantly have speculations running through my mind about people. I want to have a soft heart and trust you are my guardian. You are protecting me. You're, you're the guard. But I'm just going to steward what I'm letting in my heart. And I'm going to steward how to, watering my own heart. I want to go to Hebrews chapter 3. We're going to read a few verses there. Hebrews 3. Hebrews 3, we're going to start in verse 7, and we're going to go through verse 19. Hebrews 3, verse 7. Therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me, as on the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with this generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. And they did not know my ways. As I swore in my anger, they certainly shall not enter my rest. Hardness of heart kept the Israelites out of the promised land. He said, they went astray. They always go astray in their heart. And that hardness of heart, it kept them out of their promised land. Part of our promised land is being able to fully enter into peace and rest. This is part of our, what Jesus gave us. I give you my peace. Part of our promised land is just being able to live a life of peace and joy, no matter what's going on around you. No matter what you go through, being able to walk through it with joy and peace. This is part of our promised land. Verse 12, take care, brothers and sisters, that there will not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. But encourage one another every day, as long as it is still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we, become, we have become partakers of Christ if we keep the beginning of our commitment firm until the end. While it is said, today if you hear my voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me. Verse 16. <laughs> For who provoked him when they had heard, indeed, did not all those who came out of Egypt led by Moses, and with whom he was angry for 40 years, was it not with those who sinned, whose dead bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? And so we see that they were not able to enter because of unbelief. So it's interesting. The context here is Paul is talking to believers. Verse 14 or verse 12 says, Take care, brothers and sisters, that none of you have an unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. So how many know we can be unbelieving believers? He's talking to believers. But he's saying, be sure you don't have an unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. Do you know that anxiety is a form of unbelief? We're not trusting in God to come through for us, so we get anxious. 
I've been there many times. Do you know that stress is a form of unbelief? We're not believing God has us. So stress happens when we think we need to figure it out on our own. We enter into this place of, I've got to do it. I've got to make it happen. I've got to figure it out. I've got to force the issue, and stress comes with it. Stress and anxiety are a form of unbelief. Suspicion can be a form of unbelief. I don't trust that the Lord has put me around the right family, the right marriage, the right church, the right people, so I'm suspicious. Because ultimately, it's not about our trust in people. It's about our trust in God. God, you've not placed me in the right place. And I have to be suspicious of everybody around me. So I confessed earlier that I've recently realized that there was some hardness in my heart for the last few weeks. And there's been a lot that has happened this summer. There's been some challenging situations. We've had just a lot of busyness. We've been remodeling our house. We've been getting ready for a wedding. And then recently we've been getting our kids. We've got four kids now. Our fifth one is, is uh, flew the nest. But getting them all ready for, for school. And there's just been a lot going on and some tough situations. And through it, I just started to realize I was lacking joy. I was lacking, like, the peace that I normally carry. And I I just knew that I wasn't walking in the same level of peace that I normally do. So I started to realize that there was some hardness. The Lord started speaking to me. He's like, because of some things that you've been through, there's there's been some hardness that's formed in your heart. And, of course, I don't want it there. And, you know, I didn't want it there. None of us want to have hardness in our heart. But it's like the enemy is so sneaky. Sometimes when when an offense comes, it will, will, will be so justified that we're offended. Because it's like, well, I should be offended because this and this and this and this. And then this offense gets in your garden and it sets up camp. All of a sudden, your joy starts to go. And I'm like, what What happened? God, what happened? I'm processing it with the Lord. And he's like, because of some situations you've walked through recently, you've started to have some hardness form in your heart. And it's robbing you of experiencing my fullness, my peace, my presence. So I didn't know exactly what to do with it, but this week I realized that I needed to get serious about being the guardian of my heart. And I read those verses in a new way. I'd never seen that. I was like, oh, wow, that word guard, that means guardian. I'm the guardian. Jesus said, do not let your heart be troubled. And I've let it become troubled. Do not let your heart become fearful. And so I had to get really serious with this stuff that had set up camp in my heart and and brought some hardness into my heart. And I really just had this moment where I just cried out to God. And and I had that Gandalf moment where I was like, slam down the staff, and I was like, anxiety, you cannot pass. Fear, you cannot pass. You cannot enter. You have to go. Suspicion, you cannot pass. Speculation, you cannot pass. You know what the Bible says about speculation? It says refuse speculation. Refuse speculation in your life. It's 2 Timothy 2.23, I believe. Speculation, you cannot pass. Depression, you cannot pass. And I just had this moment where I just cried out to God and I got serious with that stuff. And I can tell you that ever since that moment, I've been experiencing more peace than I've had in months. It's like, like the cover got pulled off. It's like, wow. Oh, there you are, God. There's your presence. Like it was so easy this morning to enter into worship. It's just like, oh, thank you, Jesus, that this is easy. Because all that garbage got uprooted in my heart. I've just had so much peace. I'm just like, you know, there's challenges in our life, but God's got it. God's got it. And every time the suspicion or anxiety would start to come back, I'd be like, nope. You stand as the guardian of your heart and say, you you cannot pass. You cannot pass. I'm not going to let my mind go there.
So I had this powerful moment with the Lord, and I just had such amazing peace since. So I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. I was just processing with the Lord, like, Lord, I want to minister this breakthrough that I got. I want to minister it to people, and I don't know how to do it. And I was just processing with the Lord, and I feel like this is what he said to do. So if you know, with heads bowed, if you know that there's been some hardness in your heart, and you'd like to give it to Jesus this morning, I'd like you to just raise your hand. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, you can put it down. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, so many, so many. So I'd like to go into some ministry time. Um, I just prayed about how to do this, and this is what I felt like God said. I'd like us to pray this together, all as a church congregation. And this is, this is pretty similar to the, what, I, what I said when I was just crying out to the Lord. And so I, I want you to pray this and just be in agreement. Your agreement is so powerful. What you say can be permissible in your life is so powerful. What you say no to is powerful. And I believe as we say this prayer together, I'm believing that God is going to break up those hard places and you're going to see freedom like you haven't seen in weeks or months or years. I'm just believing, I'm putting my faith behind it right now, that as we say this prayer together, God is coming in. Okay, so let's say this together. Lord, I want to reopen my heart. I'm not going to let the things that people say, things that people do, offenses that have come, or unforgiveness block me from your presence any longer. Jesus, Help me to take jurisdiction over my heart. I banish fear from my heart. I banish hatred from my heart. I banish worry. I banish speculation. I banish banish suspicion. I banish uncertainty from my heart. You cannot dwell here. You shall not pass. Only Christ gets to dwell here. Holy Spirit, help me to guard my heart in these days. I want to be aware of what I'm letting in. Jesus, You said, let not your heart be troubled. So I know that this is a choice that I can make. So I make it. And I say no. No to being troubled in my heart. I reject that. And in its place, I receive your love. I receive your goodness. I receive your righteousness. I receive joy. I receive your peace that you've freely given me, Jesus. I receive receive your strength and strengthen my governing of my heart. Amen. You can open your eyes. I believe that we just kicked all that junk out. Amen. But this is what's going to happen. This is what's happened to me. Is the enemy's going to try to get you to pick it back up. And you have to realize, no, I'm the guardian of my heart. And you have to say no. He'll, how many know the enemy is the accuser? He's accusing the brethren day and night. Speculation, thoughts, anxiety, day and night. And you have to say no. No, I'm not doing that. 
I'm not letting those thoughts in. You have to stand at the card near your heart and say no. So when the thoughts come, say no. You shall not pass. Lord, help us keep our hearts soft no matter what happens. We want to have a soft heart towards you. We want to have a soft heart towards one another. Lord, I just pray for strength. I pray that this is a message that's shifting us higher as a church body. That we're going to higher levels in how we steward our heart. That we would truly see ourselves as the guardians of our heart. That we're going to say no. That we're going to say no to the things that have came in and they've tormented us. We're no longer going to allow that. We're going to say no. Jesus, we just ask for just a flood of your peace in the days to come. Because we know that we have a big calling. We know that you have big things for us to do. We know that there's things that you want us to take charge and run into the battle with. But God, we want to do it with your peace in our heart and not striving in our own effort. So Lord, help us. Help us to become the guardians of our heart, the stewards of our heart. In Jesus' name, amen. 